Welcome to Silver Siren's Guide to Living Agelessly. My name is Faith Agugu and I am the founder of Silver Sirens. Silver Sirens Guide to Living Agelessly is a monthly podcast that offers a safe space for women to explore all aspects of the aging process. We believe that matters of aging should not be taboo or stigmatized. We believe that these matters should be discussed in an open and honest way. This is a safe and inclusive space for all women. However, its subject matter will focus on experiences of women in midlife. Each month will feature a woman or group of women who have something useful, inspiring or original to say on the subject of women and aging. If you would like to suggest an interview topic or put forward a woman to be interviewed, email me at silversirens at thehealingprocess.com.au. That's silversirens at thehealingprocess.com.au. I hope you enjoy this channel. Welcome to Silver Siren's Guide to Living Agelessly. My name is Faith Agugu and I am the founder of Silver Sirens. I'm so excited to introduce our guest for this episode, Andrea Kindred. Andrea was one of the speakers at the Redefining Aging event in November 2018. In fact, Andrea, together with Elizabeth Burton, closed the day sharing their expansive life stories in the categories The Elders. As, as the most senior speaker on the day, Andrea shared her experience in a no-holds-barred way, laced with humor that only a septenarian could. Andrea is a AAA, an African-American-Australian storyteller who's lived in Australia for most of her life. She was a crew member on the original Star Trek series, a hippie, an indigenous rights campaigner, a one-time associate of both Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and the subject of an investigation by the FBI. <laughs> I met Andrea in 2016, where she attended my healing meditation groups in Coogee, Sydney. Andrea has been a consistent supporter of my work and events of which I am deeply, deeply grateful. Welcome, Andrea. Great to see you. Thank you for making time to speak with me and Silver Sirens listening to this program. My pleasure. <laughs> There's been some changes <laughs> in, in, in my, my status. Okay. I, I'm no longer a AAA. Oh, okay. So how should we... Well, now I'm a Quad A. Okay. What does a Quad A mean? That means... Whereas I used to be an Australian African American, mm. I am now a quite an ancient Australian <laughs> African American, and and just for my own self, I put it differently. Instead of American African American Australian, I put my country first. Mm. So I'm Australian first, and my origin is African American. Mm. And I I had this this little thing about if we. As, as citizens voluntarily adopted that, we would be saying to every one of us that we are all the same, mm. that we are all Australian. Yeah. We would then be an, an I'm Australian, Australian African. Like mm. Nigerian yeah. African, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, that's but, really interesting. Because yeah, I look at it somebody. There's Somalian. Okay, well, they're Australian Somalian. Somalian, yeah, of course. Oh, that makes sense. Greek. Oh, they're Australian yeah. Greek. Not Greek Australian. Yeah. Australian Greek. That's what our country yeah. first and say that we all are. Yeah, and it has a really unifying feel to it when we do that. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. Okay, great, thank you. That's fantastic, excellent. Okay, so we're gonna get straight into it. So first of all, (laughs) you like getting straight into it. First of all, just (laughs) I just wanted to just talk a little bit about your personal and professional um, journey. Well, (laughs) I started off and stumbled into things. I, I did clerical things because I didn't go to university because I decided to have a kid instead. Well, I didn't decide, but I did. Um, and that led me into finding something that I really liked, which was radio. But I was terrified. I was the only person at the radio class who had to do their exams in the dark. I was so... I was so, asked why? Because I was just terrified. Oh, as soon as I opened the mic, I got mic fright. Oh, okay, so stage fright with so, mic fright. Okay. So if you're going to be a, a, you know, a, a, a DJ or something, mm. you've got to be able to, to, to use the microphone. And yeah. I was terrified. So that wasn't, I thought ne- I would never do anything with the microphone, much less end up on stage. Yeah. So from there, I ended up in radio. From radio, Watts exploded. That was a a revolt that happened in America, in, in Los Angeles, where people just got really sick and tired of being sick and tired, mm. and they fought back. And so people looked around and realized that there were not a lot of black people in a lot of jobs that mm. they could have been in. Yeah. So one of the places was the studio, Desi the Studio, and they they went to a, a black organization and said, we'd like to interview people to come and work with us. Yeah. So. At the time, they probably had mostly working on there would have been janitors and actors that yeah. were black, but otherwise, you know, mm, not in the production team, not behind the scenes. None yeah. at all. So mm. they hired two, like mm. any good zoo, a male and a female. Yeah. <laughs> we used to give each other the nod. Yeah. Because he was my count. He was not my kind of yeah. hangout person. Yeah. And from there, because I ran around with the shortest skirts possible, because yeah. I had the great legs, <laughs> um, I got hired on Star Trek. Oh, wonderful. And, well, so that was my Hollywood career. Mm. I, I can't say that my civil rights career was a career. It was mostly working with Martin Luther King and Malcolm X was just love. I wasn't paid for it. Yeah. I did it because I was a volunteer, and they were the people who were doing the things that I wanted to have support yeah. for. And when so, you say you worked with them and you volunteered with them, what did you do? Well, I was Martin's um, PA. Oh, wow. So I ran around behind him, <laughs> got his coffee, got his, well, mostly got it, took his watch to the shop to be repaired. And yeah. And I, I mixed his drinks late at night when we were all sitting around having drinks after the holiday and following him around every place he went. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> with Malcolm, we got to be friends first. Mm. And then I found that it was possible to help him come on our campus and speak, mm-hmm. which yeah. is what something he wanted to do, and he yeah. did. Yeah. Along with uh, a guy called Malana Karinga, mm. who uh, was my boyfriend at the time. Mm. She says with a very cheeky smile. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he, he uh, ended up creating mm. a holiday for black people called Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, so, uh, 
But he didn't yeah. like it because after when I met Dr. King, I met one of the people working with King, his strategist. Uh, and you I, went off with him and instead. I went off with him. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling there's a few of these sort of stories in your in your lifeline. <laughs> always liked guys. And, yeah. And I always had some of them around. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I know we could have probably do a whole podcast just on relationship. And I think maybe we'll come back and do that. Okay? Because I think there's yeah, so much you've got to say on that. But One I just of the things is that I, I did find that if I really wanted someone in my life, there are ways of getting people yeah. to come into your life. Yeah. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that one day. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so we're just going to dive into a question about midlife crisis, you know. So we've got like that's a classic, um, the stereotypical experiences that women have in midlife. Can you tell me, did you experience any of those? Well, the, stereo, the classic midlife crisis? I, I, I've never been a classic anything. Anything. <laughs> what happened for me was because I moved out of town. I, I was sort of like no longer living in Sydney and mm. people sort of forgot that I existed. And how old were you then? I, I was 54, I okay, think, perfect, yeah. 55, mm. and I had moved out of town um, and I didn't do what I felt was right. Mm. I didn't go what, where my body was telling me to go. Mm. And instead I was relying on somebody else's and they were pushing me to do what they wanted that was convenient for them yeah. and was beneficial to them. Mm. And so I went. And that was the worst period, the beginning of the worst phase of my life. Mm. Not only did I crash and burn, mm. I ran out of money yeah. because I wasn't working. Yeah. And I'd been used to earning like couple thousand yeah. a day back then yeah. I was making great money mm. and flying in the pointy end of the plane and yeah. drinking really good wine yeah my life was pretty simple that way mm. but um, somehow I'm living in the central coast yeah. I have no money I decide I discovered through the, the doctors that I'm bipolar mm. and that's why I'm wanting to kill myself every two seconds mm. I'm wanting to be dead um, I, because I'm bipolar, I bought myself a brand new Volkswagen transporter van with no money, mm. which was lucky in a way because at least I had a place to sleep. Yeah. Because soon I was homeless. Yeah. And it took a while to come back from that. Mm. But by the time I got, I didn't give up. I finished my. I was doing a, a postgraduate diploma at Macquarie in conflict mm. resolution. I didn't quit. I finished that. Yeah. Yeah. But then I, I just sort of buried myself. I, I just got fatter and fatter and mm. fatter. I think I got up to about 123 kilos. Mm. Yeah. Um, I didn't go out anywhere. Mm. I, 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 I didn't have any relationships with mm. any males. So you really retreated. I definitely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So what was the what was the catalyst that just kind of got you brought you back into life? Do you think? I didn't come back into life until I had a tragedy. Mm. So you were 54 when it began. So what, what was it? I, by the time I got, it, it lasted till I was 60. Yeah. 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 Because then I'd moved into a friend's place and mm. I was living okay and I was comfortable. And after that, I sorted myself and mm. found a place to live. Mm. But I was just doing day by day, mm. nothing much. And then my daughter committed suicide. Mm. And 
I'm already bipolar, I'm already feeling suicidal. Uh, that was enough to just knock me over the edge. But the, when I saw the devastation that it brought about in our family, I knew I couldn't do that to the family that was yeah. left. That that would be yeah. unbearably cruel. Mm. And so I remembered a man was ill, and he cured himself of some kind of a uh, immune, uh, uh, immune yeah. illness mm. with comedy, with laughing, mm. with looking at movies and laughing every day. So I lived across the street from a comedy room. I started going to comedy, mm. and after that, I found out that I could be a comic, and I took a class in comedy and mm. from that I just kept going mostly it was because I wouldn't quit yeah it wasn't that I was it. good at it yeah or anything it's just that I was it. doing it and I wouldn't quit yeah that's wonderful that's great so that brought me back thank you that's great okay so I'm just gonna jump on to another question so you've lived in Australia for many decades I'd love to hear your experience as a black woman arriving in Australia all those years ago. So I've been here for 30 years and I know you've been here much longer, so I'm very interested to find out what your experience was like. I, I got in, I, I blew in with uh, Cyclone Tracy in 1974. Um, it was, a, it was a, a place where I didn't see any black people until I, I took the plane and heading to America and stopped at Hawaii. That was the first stopover where there were actually black people. I used to run around the airport going, Hi! Hi! How are you? Can Hello, I touch you? Can I kiss you? you? Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, so there was that. Admit that if I was walking down the street and I saw a black person, I would run across the street and say, Hi, come home with me. Let me feed you. Yeah. How, how, let me touch you. That it doesn't rub off. Yay! Mm. Uh, also, I had a lot of white people who wanted to be friends with me. and. And I'd say, but why? Well, I've never met a black person before. I said, but there are indigenous people here. They're black too. Oh, but they're different than you. Yeah, they're not cool. And I found out that Australians mm. gave me all this unearned approbation. Yeah. They gave me all the props as if I was Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson. Mm. Uh, minute, we got a singer, a dancer, and anyhow mm. I could play I, uh, I could sing I could dance and I could play ball because mm. I was African-American yeah yeah and whereas I'd wanted to be a producer in uh, mm. Hollywood and had had absolutely no luck mm. one because um, they were still discriminating against mm. women and I was told all oh, the guys on the dubbing stage would have to watch their language if they let a woman have that job yeah um, and then I found that the white women were saying to me oh but you're being black doesn't mean anything it's only because you're a woman Mm. And that was bullshit as well. So I got here and it was almost as though they said, what do you want to do? It's not the opposite. And I went, I want to direct a film. And they said, fine, Great. do it. And I did. Mm. And I made a film. My first film here was about a black theater workshop in Redfern. Mm. About people who come from all over the country, from Northern Territory, Queensland, West oh, Australia, and, and how wonderful and incredible they were. Mm. And it was the first time white Australia got to see black Australia mm. through black eyes. Eyes, yeah, wow. Because everybody else had been white, and they had made <laughs> films about noble savages. Savages, yeah. And yeah. poor, hopeless, down Yeah, just victims. through the white lens, yeah. yeah. So mine mm. was totally different. Wow. 
So it's really empowering for the indigenous Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. also for the for the mm. whites who wanted to be partnered with Aboriginal people. Mm. They saw what they could do then. Mm. Which, so Martha and Sarah got together with just with Essie Coffee mm. and Essie made her film My Life as an Aboriginal. The first wow. film directed by an Aboriginal person wow. in Australia. Wow. So that came directly as a result. Mm. So that was good and, and I stayed with Nesta and I did some pretty good work. I was a yeah. publicity person. I, Carol Johnson, who started NASDA, yeah. that's the Aboriginal Dance School, and yeah. then Bangara, the Bangara, dance yeah. Company, yeah. she was such an amazing person. She was constantly challenging me to do things I'd never done before. Mm. And I think, well, how the hell do I do this? Yeah. I found a way. Yeah, that's amazing. When you're challenged, you find a way. And when someone actually believes in you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Someone seeing you something that you might not see in yourself. That's right. And just them holding that up to you. That's yes. amazing. Yeah. Yes. Wow. That's so, amazing. Carol, thank you, Carol. Fantastic. Good on you. <laughs> so that's been that was a long time ago. So do you think that believe that you know humanity as a whole on issues have evolved on issues of gender, sexuality, and race since you've been an Australian? Well, we've got the Marriage Act. Yes. Marriage Equality <laughs> Act. We got that. Yeah, I want yeah. I want a free cannabis act next. Yes, I want that to happen. We've mm, had medical that in California medical since 1990 something, and we still don't have it here. I think the Australian politicians are just too involved in in their support of pharmaceutical companies, yes. and also because yeah. Australia produces uh, legally produces opium. Mm. And they don't want to let anything go wrong with that. They don't want the United Nations to get mad at them because yeah. they're letting people have cannabis. So yeah. we're getting screwed. Yeah. We're totally getting screwed mm. with the cannabis. I, and I don't make a difference between adult usage and medical mm. cannabis because all cannabis use is medical. Yeah, great. So do you think that's the next frontier in terms of your activism? Oh, heck yes. <laughs> Not just that, but mm. you know, with the Uniting Church, with Uniting, we're trying to get drug law reform. It makes no sense that we have this silly ass, excuse yeah. me, but she is a uh, premier who says, oh, I can't do drug testing for for festivals because that would be endorsing yes. illegal drug use. No, it would be saving, saving people's lives. lives. Yeah. If in a woman who is a registered pharmacist, a trained pharmacist, but young, takes the wrong drugs mm. and dies of it, what do you think the kids have that only have a high school education? Mm. Yeah, They can't tell. We need that help. Yeah. And we also need drug... Um, recovery programs yeah you shouldn't have to come all the way from double to sydney to do drug rehab yeah, yeah. we need that we need it. it's a medical problem yeah. not a criminal problem yeah, stop absolutely. treating people like criminals yeah i agree that's great fantastic so okay. yes that's okay. where i am yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so our final question so thank you so much um just the one final question so what advice or tip would you offer our, li our listeners who want to live agelessly I'd say count the years because I know people go. I'm not. I'm not say how old I am. I, I revel in it. Every, every <laughs> one comes, I go. Yes, I got another one. <laughs> because there's either get old or get dead. Mm, Come on. Yeah. Which one you choose? But if you're gonna do it, just be as kind to yourself as you can. Mm. Be, look for love and be forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite is Ho'oponopono. 
Yes, I love that. And if you just, I yeah. love you, thank you, please forgive me, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah. Just to yourself, yeah. when you think of someone, let it go, babe, let it go. Yeah. You don't want to be dying thinking, damn, I should wish I had a, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah, that's great. I just want to repeat that. The process is called Ho'oponopono. Yes. Yeah, great. I can put some information on that because that's a beautiful process. That's a wonderful way to bring us so close. Thank you so Thank much, you Andrea. Thank you. Just one more. Okay, so if women want to find out more about your work or what you're doing now or work with you, how can they find out more? Yeah, you can Google me. It's yeah, Kendra I Googled you. And it's Kindred K I N D R Y D. Anyhow, um, I'm, I'm happy to work with people. I'm a story coach. If you have stories you mm. want to tell, let me help you tell your stories. Beautiful. I want to just keep going. I don't want to. I don't. You don't want to stop. Out. You don't want to stop. Out. There's yes. no retirement happening for you. Oh, There's no, no way. way. <laughs> Hi, my name is Faith, and I am the CEO of the Healing Process and the founder of Silver Sirens. The interview you have just listened to is meant for general consumption only. If you need information that is specific for your situation, we suggest you contact the guest directly on the contact detail provided with each episode. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent that of Silver Sirens, myself, or the healing process. Silver Sirens Guide to Living Agelessly is a community of women over 40 who seek to support and empower each other as we move into our golden years. If you want to be a speaker on this podcast or suggest a speaker, contact me by email at silversirens at thehealingprocess.com.au We welcome a wide range of topics on subjects that directly impact women over 40, as long as the topic offers information and hope to women. Silver Sirens hosts an annual Redefining Aging event in Sydney, Australia, with plans to do so across Australia and the globe. You can find out more about Silver Sirens by visiting our webpage www.thehealingprocess.com.au forward slash Silver Sirens. Be social with us by liking our Facebook page, Silver Sirens Event, and following us on Instagram at Silver Sirens underscore events. If you enjoyed this interview and this channel, please comment and rate us on iTunes and other podcast platforms. Thank you for listening to Silver Siren's Guide to Living Agelessly. I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Silver Sirens, join the movement. <laughs>